Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 189. It is brought to you this week by our fine sponsors, Smile, Molecule, and Slack. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Hurley. What's up, homie? Hey, man. Federico is on a special assignment this week. Mm-hmm. Special assignment being vacation? You know, something. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's, he's around doing things. Not this Federico Vitici is a man of the planet now. Mm. Man of the planet. Yeah, he just moves around from place to place. He's always there. He's been posting on his Instagram stories, which is yeah, a that, thing that he that usually doesn't do. Blows my mind. Uh, I have some some breaking news from the chat room. It's episode mm-hmm. 190, not 189. Oh, that, that is good breaking news. As far as breaking so. news goes, the correction of the episode number is pretty pretty strong. Uh, thank yeah. you to Kate for uh, making Stephen better at his job. Episode 190. 190. Okay. From Relay FM. No, no, no. No? Okay. No. We're just going to go with it. Okay. <laughs> My regime, things stay in. We're going to start with some follow-up. Uh, and I'm actually going to start with follow-out because I had a really interesting conversation with Serenity Caldwell on this week's episode of Query. Remember we spoke last week or the week before about her really cool iPad review that she did this amazing movie all on the iPad, like about the iPad. It was really, really cool. Uh, and I think all three of us were impressed with it. A lot of people really enjoyed it. And I got to speak to her about the behind the scenes of that. So like the decision making that went into it, some of the tools she used, what was the hardest thing about it, what, what was easier than it looks. It was really fascinating and really eye-opening to me. Um, you know, I, I at least think about iOS productivity through the lens of how my friends use it, which is like you and Federico and Jason, like mostly word-based stuff. So like writing or preparing show notes or doing spreadsheets, not like sitting down and making a movie. That's not something that you do on a regular basis on your iPad. So it was really interesting to hear that angle of creation on the iPad. And I think you may enjoy that uh, episode if you haven't heard it yet. So there'll be a link over in the show notes. There is a, there is a, a thing that has occurred over the history of the three of us recording shows together and it is a curse. The prompt was cursed and connected is cursed. Mm-hmm. In that we have had a history of talking about things, sometimes and mostly randomly, before they immediately get killed. Right. These things go away. Either last week or the week before, I asked, what happened to Liam, the recycling robot? Well, Apple have a new robot. That robot is called Daisy, um, and Daisy disassembles iPhones to reclaim materials. It was announced as part of Earth Day, um, as like you know, Apple showing more about the things that they do to like I don't know, like show how much more thoughtful they are about the world. Right? They they do these press releases every now and then. This is a quote from that press release: "Daisy is made from some of Liam's parts." What? Oh no. Oh no! What kind of robot <laughs> horror are we a part of here? Why? So, like, I have a few different questions here. Mm-hmm. Like, one, why did they need to do that? Like, c- why can't Liam just like be Liam or like be put away somewhere? Why did they have to disassemble Liam and use his parts in Daisy? Why does Daisy need Liam's parts? Why can't she have our own parts? I think you're making an assumption that maybe we shouldn't make. The real question is, did Daisy kill Liam for his parts? Right? Oh no. You're assuming a human came in, like disassembled the the poor guy, but maybe they built Daisy and Daisy looked at it and said, Hey, 
I really like those little spring-loaded uh, clamps you have. It'd be a shame if something happened to them, and then she went over there and took them. It's just people came in one day. She's like, hi, I'm Daisy. Liam's gone. Yeah. And then and then she showed how good she was at taking apart 200 iPhones an hour. So she's way better than Liam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like it because Liam has been murdered now, and that makes <laughs> me very uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know why... You know, or maybe I don't know. Maybe like Liam was, uh, he had like a organ donor card, and like maybe he fell over oh, no. or something, and oh, like no. they just figured that they would, you know, they his parts were used for Daisy. Who knows? Like we can't know, but all we know is Liam is dead. Long live Daisy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a rough world out there, Mike. The world of recycling is not all puppies it's and rainbows. Throat. It's it cutthroat. You think just because it helps the environment. No, no. It is, you know, there if you're a robot in the recycling business, you know, that's that's not Wa- good for you. Watch your back. A better robot may come because, take your parts. <laughs> you know what it is? If you're a robot in the recycling business, you're one step away from being recycled. That's what they did. I've just realized yeah. it. They recycled Liam <laughs> into Daisy. Whoa. Yeah. That's that's pretty that's pretty dark, man. That is dark. Can we move on? I feel sad. <laughs> I, I think we have to. Let's move on to incredibly happy news. Uh, the LTE Apple Watch is rolling out to a few more countries. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, Denmark, Sweden, and India will join Taiwan uh, on May the 11th. So it's so, slowly expanding. Um, carriers are coming on board. Uh, that's kind of all there is to say on it, but it is happening. Should we... Should we- travel to those countries and like or should we like fly their flags on those days like i feel like we should mark the occasion somehow feels like a lot of work but like yeah if you want to go to denmark sweden and india and taiwan all on one day um i wish you the best of luck in that it'll be a good vlog yeah i think you have to go i think if you start in india it could be possible right probably not though but you never know you could try we should talk about emoji should because that's uh, a thing that we that we have to talk about sometimes so remember back in 2016, where Apple changed the pistol emoji to a uh, water pistol. Remember mm-hmm. this? And, Very contentious. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, like the next day or something, Microsoft changed it from a ray gun to a hand pistol. It was the same day. So Microsoft were unveiling their brand new emoji that they had worked very long and hard on. And on the day that, uh, that Microsoft did that, Apple were like, oh, hey, we've changed the gun. So they took all of my, the wind out of Microsoft sales and Microsoft in that release after like three to four years of using a ray gun, um, they changed it to a pistol and then Apple changed their pistol to a water pistol. Rough. Um, and uh, basically yesterday, Google announced that they are going to be changing the representation of their pistol to a uh, water pistol looking uh, emoji uh, sometime in the very near future. That is something that they're going to be doing. Um, Facebook also confirmed to Emojipedia that they are going to also be joining these companies in making this change, changing their representation of the pistol emoji to a water pistol. Microsoft, Samsung, and Twitter, who are kind of the other major emoji emoji platforms have not made any announcements at this time and have said that they have nothing to say um you know looking back on this like apple kind of strong-armed people here like i feel like google and facebook they kind of have to do this because apple Mm -hmm. did it and apple did it i mean we spoke about this at the time whilst they had good intentions they did this poorly 
um, you know, for many reasons in that, you know, they they changed something that was an existing character, right? Like going back into history, any representation of that gun would be replaced with a water pistol, which could be incredibly distasteful or mm-hmm. uh, troubling in some instances. Yes. Um, it was basically, you know, I, the way I look at it, it was a move with good intentions, but it was poorly implemented. And you can see now, like, I think Apple learned from this. So if you look at what they've been doing recently with their accessibility emoji, mm-hmm. um, they d- they put through a proper proposal, as you're supposed to do if you're adding new emoji, but they spoke about it way in advance. And my right. expectation now would be that they would maybe give a little bit more time and maybe speak to people on the emoji like the unicode consortium before making mm-hmm. a change as significant as the as the pistol one so i think it's um i think it's a change that is good and i totally agree with you these other these other companies sort of have a you could say apple's held a water pistol to their head and making you change it definitely say that couldn't you and it wouldn't be so horrifying you know it's just oh either change it or your hair's gonna get wet the google the google one in this article is really good it's like a super soaker it has like a separate tank on top they went serious, right? They I want went one really. Of those. Yeah, they're good. They're good. It's like, aha, we have a <laughs> we have a gun that can hold more water. In 2019, Apple is gonna have a Super Soaker rifle uh, instead of their pistol. You heard it here first. Oh, it actually looks like there has been a uh, since I put this into our document. Twitter seemed to have confirmed that they're going to be changing theirs to also a water pistol at good. some point in the near future. So that is more real time follow up. At least Facebook and poor old Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, with a with a more conventional pistol uh like mm-hmm. a firearm in theirs uh yeah i I feel like this again like I'm pleased that companies are doing this. I just think that sometimes it might be nicer if they all work together on stuff like this, you know, considering yeah. there is literally a working group right where they are all on this board together, the Unico consortium, they can have these conversations. Um, and I hope that everybody learned a lesson from from the way that everything went there because it took something that should have been positive news and kind of made it a little bit negative, which I think that nobody really wanted. Yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, like maybe Apple wanted to make the statement by just doing it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like they. It's a, but it's a bigger statement if Google will do it at the same time. Yeah, maybe. Like the, it is a way bigger statement to say. Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and Apple joined together today to make a statement, and they changed their pistol emoji to a water pistol, and this is why, and these are the statements. Like, that's a bigger, more impactful message, rather than Apple, like, feeling like they have to be the lone crusader, which they definitely don't need to be and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Like, these companies, they have shared values. It isn't all about competing to show who's the best and who's the smartest, you know? Sure. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. Create snippets of things that you type or copy and paste all the time, and you'll be able to save yourself loads of time and hassle. You might want to set up snippets for website URLs that you frequently go to, uh, email addresses that you have to be typing all the time, and you could even have multiple ones to drop them all in at once. What about today's date or today's date formatted in other date formats, which I use all the time? I have, if I type in UUSD, it gives me date in the US format. Um, Or what about just answers to common questions that you're frequently having to answer over email? You can just simply summon your snippets in any app on the Mac, Windows, iPhone, even your iPad as well, using an abbreviation, or just search for them using a hotkey while you're typing. You can even tailor each snippet with fill-in fields if you want to add a little personalization to the message. 
Tax Expander is also great for teams. It can multiply your team's productivity by making shared knowledge available instantly to everyone who needs it. You can make your team's common responses accessible and searchable through the simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. They can all be written and edited by your best writers, so it's always your best language at all times that's being sent out of your company. It's available on multiple platforms, updated immediately and everywhere when modified. If you're on a support or sales team or in legal, medical or the real estate profession, Text Expander can transform your work, leaving you more time to focus on what you do best. We've been implementing a couple of these at Relay FM recently, just to even for things like naming our files in a consistent way. And it's helping us with just being able to make sure we've got everything where we need. You know, you can just type in a couple of keys, fill in a couple of like drop downs and type in some text and everything is nicely filed and nicely readable at all times. If you spend any amount of your day typing, you need Text Expander. It's the smartest way to improve the workflow of your communications. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Just tell them you heard about them on this show. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. Go right now and get 20% off your first year when you tell them that you came from connected our thanks to text expander for their support of this show and relay fm so so we saw this week the release of ios 11.3.1 if you've been following the news a little bit there's been an issue with iphone 8 and 8 plus models if they have a third party screen repair I missed this. I had no idea that this was a this was a problem at all. Like I didn't see this reported anywhere until I read this story today. Uh, it was on a little bit, and there was some conversation by like the right to repair people of like Apple's crippling third party repairs. Mm-hmm. Not the case. It seems that this was a bug because there's a bug release in the form of iOS eleven point three point one. And so what was happening if you had a third party screen uh, put on your phone or, or the repair done by a third party? you could end up with intermittent touch issues on the phone uh, because these like non-genuine replacement parts weren't being uh, appropriately like uh, I read something about like the touch scan or like the scan rate or something would come out of sync. I don't know. I've read a couple of different things theorizing what it could be, but in short, they fixed it uh, in 11.3.1. And there are a couple of things about this update that I would like to talk about primarily its existence. Like, why do I have to install this on my iPad Pro? Why do I have to install this on my iPhone 10 if all that's in here is this update for iPhone? It isn't, though, right? Like, they're just bad at release notes. I mean, maybe. They're, I was actually trying to find the official release notes, and I'm sure mm-hmm. I can do that. Maybe the chat room can help me with a URL. If there's more in there, say that there's more in there. I don't know. It's just like the primary thing being this. Running into my iPad Pro, I was like, this this seems this seems weird to me. It is yeah, it is strange that like if there is other stuff, they didn't even mention the fact that there was other stuff. Because it's like why would I need this? Why would I need this on my iPad Pro? I completely agree with you actually. That doesn't make sense. Cause I'm looking at the release notes on uh, a K Base article about iOS eleven updates, it is called, and it has a little you can like click to each one and it just shows you the release notes. And it well, it says it improves the security of your iPhone or iPad and addresses an issue. So security improvements, whatever that means. I mean yeah. it's it's hardly like the most exciting and thing. There in the world. And there was a security update for the Mac yesterday as well that involved what could be some cross platform stuff. And so so yeah, that, that's good. Um, but you know, even if this wasn't just an iPhone eight update, like I think it goes to the conversation we've had before that Apple 
seemingly unable to update only some devices or only like, why can't we run an update in the app store for mail when there's new mail stuff? Why do we have to wait for an iOS update? Because it's still a very monolithic release and they don't, they don't seem able to break it down into these, into these different components uh, or even target individual devices if they, if they need to. But like going back to the bug itself, it is not surprising to me that something like this would come out of Cupertino because the issue is third-party repair companies fixing iPhone screens. I mean, and like, what kind of test conditions would lead you to being able to, to right. like logically come across that? You know, and like, and it's even like it obviously didn't, it wasn't widespread in any betas or anything like that because they would have seen this happening. They would have had people reporting it. And it's because it's such a specific use case. One, you have to have an iPhone 8. Two, you have to have broken the screen. And three, you have to have them taken it to a third-party repair company. Like, Mm -hmm. there are so many things that have to happen for this to become known on a wide scale. Like, apparently, there was it was some kind of microchip that had a bug and it was disabling screen input. I don't know why. I, I reckon it's some kind of tempering thing that they have anyway, like, just so they know, and then maybe it was like, oh, it's all gone wrong. I mean, I don't know. How, I, I've never had to replace a screen. I don't know how expensive they are, but, like, I'm naturally assuming it's always going to be cheaper if you go to a third party because that's what third parties do, right? They would always price it cheaper than Apple. Yeah, Apple's prices are more competitive than they used to be, unless you have an iPhone 10. That's an expensive phone to repair. But yeah, lots of people go to third parties. Uh, I know there are several in town you can go to. One's uh, very uh, noticeably right across the street from the Apple stores. As you walk out of the Apple store dejected, mm. you look up onto the horizon, and there's a third-party service better. Ah, That's very clever. Waiting for I, you. Uh, there's a chain here called iSmash. That's a really good name. It's a good name, right? They fix screens. They do all kinds of stuff, but they fix screens. That's one of the things they do. If, if phone unlocking was still a thing, uh, they would do that, right? It's like one of those types of places. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the second half of the release notes. Uh, I just want to read this because I find it incredible. Non-genuine replacement displays may have compromised visual quality and may fail to work correctly. Apple-certified screen repairs are performed by trusted experts who use genuine Apple parts. See support.apple.com for more information. I don't think I've ever read a more passive-aggressive chunk of text and release notes of all time. Like, this is just dripping with this, this attitude from Apple. And it really, like, I think it's kind of a bad look. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did that rub you the wrong way? I, I'm more like how much this bothers you. Like, I, I kind of don't... It, it's, I'm fine with it. I like how much it upsets you. I, I it That makes me. me very happy. Because I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Like, I read that stuff and I agree with it. That's probably correct. That if you should... Because I don't think it means you have to go to the Apple store, right? Like, an Apple certified screen repair could be done at uh, a an apple service provider yeah and i a- guess AASP. They, they probably have more flexibility on their pricing but mm-hmm. there's only so low they can go i guess um but so i mean i kind of i like i read that and i'm like yeah you're probably right support documentation you know yeah but it's, it's just I funny it's the way you. just the way that it's worded compromise visual quality 
tr- performed by trusted experts. Like instead of just like the guy at the mall, <laughs> it's like everybody else sucks, right? Like the, yeah. the mall guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to put like a Galaxy S screen on there, and like you know, Taping he has no down. idea. He just gets a piece of glass and like just puts it on and hopes that it will work. And he puts a little print out of an iPhone home screen behind the glass and then just gives you your phone and you leave. So I don't know. Uh, go go update your phones, I guess, to uh, 11.31. Hey, Flickr's back. Is it? <laughs> it's back uh, in the hopefully. news. <laughs> hopefully. It's back in the news. Smug Mug have bought Flickr. What is smug a mug. Smug Mug? Smug Mug. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a photo sharing and print service, not okay. unlike Flickr. They're actually kind of similar. What I didn't know is that SmugMug is family owned, which is pretty cool. There was this article, uh, it broke in uh, USA Today, of all places, saying that SmugMug uh, is purchasing Flickr mm-hmm. away from the smoldering carcass that is Yahoo. Well, I think they, they actually bought it from Oath. Yeah. Well, I like to think of Oath as just a container around the smoldering. What did I say? Smoldering carcass of Yahoo. Carcass it's just of like Yahoo. a. It's just like a sleeping bag full of death. It's and Yahoo Yahoo's and AOL together, right? That's Oath. Yeah, that's a real. It's a real Owned pair of acquisitions by Verizon. It's a real. Mm-hmm. That is like a, just a whole mess of stuff going on. It over is. There. If you had, if you had told some if you had told two thousand and two Stephen one day. <laughs> AOL and Yahoo and Flickr are going to be owned by a company called Oath. A, I would laugh. Oh, but oh. that's really just a shelf of Verizon. It's be like, what has happened to the internet in 2018? <laughs> but that's where we are. Mm-hmm. So SmugMug is saying that Flickr is going to remain a standalone community, that it is going to uh, pour resources into it. Uh, and we should say that uh, you know Flickr was bought by Yahoo years and years ago. Yahoo sold for only four point five billion, which is I mean it's a lot of money to me and you, but it's not that much money it's not that much money in twenty eighteen acquisitions if you think about how yeah. big Yahoo was at one point. Yeah. It's again one of those things you go back far enough and say this is how much Verizon's gonna buy Yahoo for, and you'd be like, nah, you're crazy. Like right. Yahoo is the place, you know? Yeah. And uh the chat room is asking if we're killing Flickr by talking about it. I hope not. Uh I would like to think that right now, I mean, it's probably got the best chance it's ever had. Maybe we kill Oath, you know, maybe that was the whole thing. Yeah. It can't be long for this world. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to talk about here, I think. I I don't know what your experience was, but for me, especially in college, so talking uh, 2004, 2005, 2006, that time frame, sort of pre-iPhone time, uh, Flickr was a really important part of like my internet life, you know, I've, uh, I had an account for a really long time. I was a part of some really genuinely enjoyable communities on Flickr of like Mac nerds and other people in Memphis who are photographers. And I learned a lot from those people and had really like really honestly good conversations online in these communities. And, um, I still have an account. I went through, maybe when Yahoo bought them and sort of cleaned out my archive and really trimmed what was there. And I don't know the last time I uploaded to Flickr was. It's been a really long time. And I used to do it daily. In 2008, 2009, I did a photo a day project and I posted it on Flickr. So every single day I uploaded. That I don't think has been the case for hardly anybody uh, recently. There are still communities there. In fact, uh, you remember that video I did a couple months ago, maybe last month, about the um, AlphaSmart, like that keyboard computer thing? Yeah. Uh, 
that whole like enthusiast community exists in a Flickr group. Like I, I stumbled across them in my research and then all these people like hacking smart alphas and, and or alpha smarts and doing all this stuff. And they're, they're doing it all on Flickr. Like it's this, it's this crazy thing, but I don't, I can't imagine there's a lot of those communities left on Flickr because so many things have come along and have, have overtaken it. I think Flickr is a really good example of a, of a web 2.0 company that totally missed the boat on mobile. They did not have a mobile app for a really long time. And when they did, it was really pretty bad. And there were some third-party apps. Um, the website didn't wasn't responsive for a really long time. They just they could have been, if they had been on their feet about it, they could have been there in the app store on day one saying, hey, this is the default place for you to share your photos when you take them from an iPhone. And they just weren't. It could have been so Instagram. Things, they, they could have been bought by Facebook for like a billion dollars or whatever it was. Yeah, but they weren't. And Instagram, I think, is that place now. And you know, that makes me a little sad because Flickr had all this great organization to it that you could build these these really nice albums and they had all the community stuff, whereas Instagram is really just a Twitter-like timeline and it lacks a certain permanence that I think Flickr had in a lot of people's lives for a long time. So, I mean, I don't know anything about Smug Mug, really. I don't know. I don't know anything about the uh, the family that owns it or, or the CEO that's quoted in this article. But I would love to see it um, to see it flourish. I just don't. I just don't know if that's possible in 2018. I feel like they've missed the boat on anything that would have been substantial for them at this point. Honestly, like. I don't think that they could rise to prominence to be either of the things that they could or should have been. And I don't really know what it could be right now. You know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that if Smug Mug is like a family-owned business, Flickr probably already has a community large enough to fulfill what they want from it. And as long as they keep that community happy and maybe bring some more people in, they're going to be they're going to be fine. And, you know, considering what Smug Mug's business is, just being able to natively advertise that you should print your photos. Right. And stuff like that. Whilst in Flickr, all of that stuff's going to be good for them. Like it is a logical purchase for Smug Mug's business. But I, I don't I cannot imagine it being instagram i just can't see it because it's too late now right like Flickr's too old and too big to change enough right because you'd end up with Flickr stories mm-hmm. like it's gonna have to do all of that right like to yeah. try and combat it you know and and i just don't imagine it happening the funny parallel for me here is you know like you were completely right in what you said about um, Flickr were in this situation because they missed mobile. Mm-hmm. But one of the other big Web 2.0 companies that missed mobile was Facebook. And it's kind of funny to see that, like, because Facebook didn't have a competitor, they weathered the storm yeah, and got it together. Mm-hmm. But Flickr had Instagram. Oh, man, Path totally had it there for a second. No, they didn't. But, like, it'll see, like if something would have come along, like, at that time, oh, you're totally, that was you're compelling, right. like, yeah. it could have killed Facebook, in theory, mm-hmm. right? Like, I know it's on a much bigger scale, but it's it's just funny when you look at it like that, that, you know, comparison-wise, Flickr had a huge 
audience for its place. Instagram came with zero and was able to surpass it, grow, and then got bought by Facebook and explode, right? Like, you know, and, and it's funny that, like, Facebook were just lucky. They had enough money that they could buy companies like Instagram and WhatsApp and, and all these other types of companies to keep them going whilst they got a lot of their stuff in check until they became compelling on mobile. And it's just fun, it's just funny to me to think about that comparison and looking at how those two companies kind of weathered that storm. And Flickr did not do well. And then they got bought as well as Instagram got bought. But Yahoo treated Flickr badly. And Facebook has treated Instagram very well, it seems. Mm -hmm. So it's just funny to look at all of those companies like compared to each other from a like a where are they now standpoint that now Flickr is just being traded away as some way to inject cash into a new company. And it's kind of sad. It is. Um, Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's all said. But it looks like that they're in the right place for the where they want to be right now. I think that Smug Mug will probably be a really good home for Flickr. And I bet that everybody that works there will probably be a lot happier as well. So I think this is a nice move. And I hope they are able to do something with it because Flickr is an institution. And it would be really nice to see something come of mm-hmm. this that w- that's positive. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, maybe they can never return to those glory days, but maybe they can grow up from where it is because I think yeah. Yahoo buying it was kind of the second blow after missing mobile. Because <laughs> uh, like you said, Facebook did pull out of that. Um, Flickr didn't. And I think part of that was because Yahoo wasn't able to do it. Yahoo didn't have the brand to pull that sort of thing off. Or the desire. Or the desire because, you know, Yahoo was what it the was. Sunset? Do you remember the sunset slide? I do. I'm on the, the Yahoo homepage right now. It's not good. I can't imagine it being good at this point. It hasn't been good for a long time. I can't imagine it being good now. All right, today's show is also brought to you by a new sponsor, and that is Molecule. I'm sure you spent a lot of effort into making your home a comfortable, welcoming, and maybe even these days, smart environment. But do you ever think about air pollutants in your home? Because without them, you could actually sleep better, feel better, and live more healthily. Molecule is the only air purifier that destroys pollutants. Let me tell you why that's important. More than 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor pollution are exposed to air quality that doesn't meet the recommendations set by the World Health Organization. The worst news is that actually, and, and this was very upsetting for me to find out, indoor air can be up to five times worse than outdoor air. Okay. Uh, to, yeah, it's good to know. To rest easy knowing that you're breathing clean air, you need Molecule. Molecule are introducing a breakthrough science that is cap- finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. And their many, many happy customers are reaping the benefits of customers saying they're able to breathe through their noses for the first time in years. Molecule has a clean design with high-quality experience. It's been called the Apple of air purifiers. You know that. So you know what that means. That means it's pretty and it comes in a nice box. And technology has been personally effective and verified by science. But more importantly, it's tested by real people. Molecule have already helped allergy and asthma sufferers cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. The Molecule air purifier is whisper quiet, energy efficient, made for rooms of all sizes. It's portable and connected. You can control Molecule using its touchscreen display or remotely using the iPhone or Android app. 
you need to go and look at the Molecule air purifier for yourself so you can see what it can do and to see how good looking that thing is. Head to Molecule.com, that's Molecule with a K, so M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com to take a look around and when you make your first order, use the code CONNECTED to get $75 off. That is CONNECTED for $75 off your order at Molecule.com. Our thanks to Molecule for their support of this show. So in Alphabet's Q1 earnings report, it became clear that the company is spending a lot of money on Nest without probably the return that they would like to see from it. So it takes some work to see exactly what these amounts are, and uh, this stuff was all brought from a Verge report where they did the hard work so I didn't have to. And you can see that Alphabet, what they've done is they've placed Nest into a section of their earnings akin to how Apple reports the Apple Watch in like an other category. Um, And this has been changed because Alphabet rolled Nest back into Google uh, I think that was about, like within the last year or so. Mm-hmm. So they made a bunch of adjustments to previously reported figures, which meant you could see the difference in the profit and loss. So like Nest were in another part of the business where it was hidden away in a big bucket, right? Then it got moved into another bucket and you could just see the impact of how those buckets changed from time over time to be able to work out these amounts. So it's not as hidden as maybe Google would like. So... What this has shown from some calculation is that Nest made around $726 million in revenue, but lost $621 million last year. So, you know, it's not in the red, but I don't think it's where you would want the company to be (laughs) right now or this division. So, like, this investment could be worth it ultimately because Google has a shot to potentially further integrate Nest and Google uh, Assistant together to try and maybe take on Amazon, which is clearly what they're trying to do with all of their home products because Amazon have the mind share and if you any statistics and figures show they also have the significant market share in the smart connected home device space right now. And also, like if you look at the suite of tools and features available it is probably more likely that Google could become dominant in this area than they could in the phone uh, area with the Pixel, right? Pixel's a very good phone, considered to be the best Android phone, but it's very difficult for them to try and take down Samsung, and it's very difficult for them to try and take down Apple, right? Like in the idea of units sold, but it seems like you would maybe have a clearer path as Google to produce products at a better quality and with larger audiences than Amazon, right? Because the market's way smaller. Google has more resources in this area, right? Like, And this is what they do. But it does seem that right now, even with this spending, Amazon's still the leader and Nest is not really churning out products at a speedy rate. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next 12 months because they just released a new camera that has the Google Assistant built in, right? That was quite... That's something that they did recently, I think. You know, I, I when I look at this stuff, it's like, well, I can see that they there is I can see why Google is putting them or Alphabet is putting the money into this. Because Nest make great products when they make them. And if they're able to, I guess, pump up this stuff and make a bunch of really compelling home products that also integrate and include in some instances the Google Assistant and Google Home stuff, they have a real kind of shot at competing and out-competing out Amazon, right? 
mm-hmm. you would think. But even today, like Amazon are releasing more products. Did you see this today? The Echo Dot for kids. Yeah, it's just colored funny, right? Like it's colored. It comes in a colorful case, and it has increased parental controls. Okay. So you can put it in the kids' room or whatever, and yeah, it's you know it, it's it's better for working with what the stuff that they're going to ask. Right. Yeah, I mean, because I've, Amazon will not stop releasing new Echo products. They, like they can't. They, can't they cannot stop. be stopped. Yeah, I think Google is in a great position to take Amazon on here. And, you know, maybe, I mean, if you read the reports, Nest was like a real disaster and they got rid of some people and then it was like under Alphabet. Now it's under Google again. Like it's been through as a company, a lot of things and maybe they're, you know, getting close to sorting all that out. And, you know, we're on the, the edge of like this great, Nest Renaissance. Like I'd love it. I have a lot of Nest products. I've got several cameras. I have there. I forget. Always forget what it's called. Like the security pad, um, the alarm system deal. Oh, Nest Secure. Uh, I've got one okay. of those in my office. Like I've been happy with their stuff, um, and the app's pretty good. They don't support HomeKit, but you can live with that. It's like you, they have so many good pieces, and they just need to keep pushing because I think as, especially like with Amazon breathing down their necks with the Echo family of stuff. Uh, you've got to stay on top of this. You've got to remain competitive because if you go, if Nest goes another year, 18 months with no real change in their products, then that's a that's a pretty big deal. I think a bigger deal than it was last time around. You know, when they were quiet, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, they didn't have a lot of a lot of real good competition, but now they do and they need to they need to stay on the ball. Just some uh, real-time follow-up from Pastor Boy in the chat room. The Echo for Kids has a feature called Magic Word Mm -hmm. where it encourages, with positive reinforcement, if kids use the word please when asking the Echo to do things, which is really interesting because I was talking with some friends a couple of days ago who were like having this issue, or like it was friends of friends that were having this issue where they're having to say please to their echo because they don't want their kids to just real like think about that they have to bark orders at things all the time Mm -hmm. which is kind of incredible right and also something else oh this is so cute it's optimized for a waxer oh oh boy isn't that incredible like this specific version is optimized for common like mispronunciations of the code words that kids might do. This is maybe the best thing Amazon have ever done. I'm melting now. This I is mean, so good. it's nice, but it's a very Amazon way to do it. Whereas like you could just have all those B settings for any echo. Like I'm not going to go buy. I think, I think a lot of it is though. I think a lot echo. of it's in the, um, the, the, uh, the, 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 um, parental control features. Yeah. Like the, the magic word stuff is all in the, the parental control features. Good. So. so there you go. Some of it's already in there. Amazon's doing a lot of stuff. Nest should do more. Uh, speaking of Amazon doing a lot of stuff, it feels like they've already decided to move on to their next big bet, home robots. This is a, a report from Mark Gurman and Brad Stone over at Bloomberg that that the team that was responsible for the uh, Amazon Echo, the Fire TV, the Fire Tablets, and the Fire Phone uh, – May it rest in peace, which is run by uh, someone with the name Greg Zer. 
they are they have started a new secret project to build what is being dubbed a domestic robot. Uh, this report is very very light on any substantial details. Mm-hmm. Uh, the project is codenamed Vesta, which is named after the Roman goddess of the hearth, home, and family. And Amazon are hiring a lot of people. They have an ex-Apple engineer um, or ex-Apple executive, I should say, who's running their kind of like um, some of the machine learning stuff around vision that, you know, th- this this thing's going to need to see stuff. Um, and basically, a lot of it, honestly, is Bloomberg speculating about what the robot might do, which yeah. it's not great reporting. They got this one little tidbit and then just tried to turn it into an article, honestly. Um, like one thing that they say, oh, what if it's just an Amazon Echo device that is mobile? That's rubbish. That is a rubbish, terrible speculation. You may as well have not even bothered. Like, because like what? Like I can just put a dot in every room. I don't need a robot to follow me around so I can give Echo commands. So I thought what might be more fun is if we try and think of some things that we would want an Amazon Echo home robot to do. (laughs) So uh, one thing that I want it to do is something I don't want it to be, which is humanoid. I, I would not yeah. want Mm-mm. a home robot to have a humanoid shape Mm-mm. because Mm-mm. that would be too creepy. Um, I would like it to have a different shape, you know, like maybe just something more like Eve from Wally, right? Like I would prefer something in that kind of thing. Like, you know, yeah. ma- like that would be more comfortable for me, maybe to not even have a head, right? Just like the body and the arms, that would be way better. But here's some things I was thinking of, Stephen. Uh, some basic cleaning stuff, like a Roomba, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if this thing can move around, why not put, like, a vacuum on the bottom of it and it can do some cleaning? Um, I was thinking, like, maybe some restocking of homeware items. So if it sees that I've, like, I don't know, I don't know how much this thing's going to follow me around, but, like, let's just assume that it sees me throw some olive oil, like an olive oil button, bottle into the recycling bin, that it's, like... I'll order some olive oil for you. And it just lets yeah. me know, like, oh, hey, I've ordered some olive oil. Um, also, home security. You know, I can have this thing patrolling. I like that. <laughs> Guard dog mode. It can just, like, walk around the house patrolling it, stuff. It's like at the front window, and it pulls back the curtain with his robotic arm, just, like, peek out the curtain and then Peeking puts it out, back. And it's like, and you can see. I can see what you're up to out there. Um, <laughs> and also, like, I figure boombox mode, you know? Like, it can, <laughs> You know, walk D- around D- and play DJ music. Roomba. You've you invented DJ yeah, Roomba. <laughs> I invented DJ Roomba. So that's what I would like to see uh, an Amazon home robot do. I, I, do, I mean, obviously, it would have Echo functionality built into it, right? right? Because that's what powers everything. But it's actually got to do stuff, right? Like, all of this stuff is got to do stuff. And I actually have a another Amazon story I want to talk to you about in a minute where it's, you know, it's all about trade-offs, right? Like I'm going to allow this thing if it's going to do stuff for me and mm-hmm. allowing Amazon to put a robot into my home requires significant trade-off Yes, that they are willing to give me in what it can do, right? Yeah. Like I want this thing to be fairly priced and I get a ton of benefit from it because otherwise why am I letting Amazon walk around in my house, right? Mm-hmm. I come up with a list of things that I don't want the robot to do. Okay. I think that's, that's more interesting. I would, I would add to your list, I would love for something to be able to, as someone who mowed their grass this morning, do some yard work for me, rake some leaves, yeah. but, you know, uh, mow the grass. But things I don't want taken over by robots. Um, I don't think I want them doing like food preparation. Like, huh? my wife and I cook, we enjoy it. 
uh, maybe some stuff, but like, I, I don't know, like something about like a robot checking how well done a steak is and like flinging knives all over my kitchen seems like a no, weird man. So make me a sandwich. Like, isn't that the best thing? Like, I would love that. Maybe. Obviously, like, yes, that I would draw the line, but like, you know, make me a cup of coffee would be kind of great. I would enjoy that. Maybe. I think we're. I think maybe that's version three, though, right? Yeah, that's an in-app purchase. Yeah, I want to know that it's capable before I let it near the fire. Yeah. It just turns on a blender oh, no. full of rocks. Liam. Poor Liam. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I don't want it to... I don't think I want it to like take over work stuff. Like my thought is like a robot should not edit podcast, but like my bigger thought is I I don't want it to assume what tasks it can take over for me. Like I want some sort of system. I'm like, okay, you can do this. And this is how I show you, you know, how we do it. Uh, I don't want it to like, I just come home one day and one day it has just like rearranged all the furniture or has cleaned up my closet. Like I, I want it to be responsive and not, uh, going out on its own and like, oh, Stephen always edit, edits podcasts in the afternoons. I'll just do that one day when he's out. Like, I don't want to come home and find that happening. Yeah, I actually agree with that a lot. Like, I wouldn't want to see that it's doing stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. it, there has to be an element of, um, like, machine learning in a product like this. Yes. But I don't want it to take it upon itself to do things like, for try me. Try new things. Even if it has the ability to do them. I want it to ask, right, before it goes ahead and does stuff like that. Like, this does feel like, I mean, this will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really do believe that we will have robots in our homes one day, purely because I feel like all technology is influenced by science fiction. And whatever was in science fiction when people were kids is what they eventually want to make. Right. And that we just trend towards science fiction. Because all of these inventions require people's imaginations and the best imaginations are the people that create these worlds and then that just informs our own imaginations, right? right? And then I think a lot of times we end up just making what we saw in movies as kids and the Jetsons is formative for many of us and you know, we got to have, a, we gotta have a, a robot butler at home, I guess. Yeah. Also, I don't want it to inject itself or interject itself, I should say, into relationships. So, like, I don't want it telling my, you know, telling my kids yes or no, like, about thinking watch TV after school or, you know, hey, your wife was mad when she left the house and you didn't see it. I'm just giving you a hand. Like, I don't think I want that in my life. Yeah, I, I don't want, I don't want to be in an argument and then the robot's like, uh, actually, two days ago, you said this. Right. Right. Where it's like you're arguing about like who said what, and then the robot jumps in and it's like, well, Bob's right, Mary's wrong. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Like the robot should keep its mouth shut, in my opinion. Dumb robot. Who does he think he is? Also, I don't want it to murder anybody. Uh, and I say that jokingly, but you you say like a home security system. There's a real question here about ethics. Like, if someone breaks into my house, does the Echo robot have the right to stop them with force? I had, like, I, an imagi- I had an imagination feature here uh, earlier today and decided not to put it in the document, but now I will use it because now you've, you've brought that out in me. I was imagining like a net gun. <laughs> you come home, there's just a guy in a net in your kitchen, like you tried breaking in, so I, I stuck him in a net. Yeah, or if like your phone's not connected to the Wi-Fi so it doesn't know it's you and then you get hit with a net. 
Oh yeah. Oh, the Wi-Fi was down, so I thought you were a bad guy. I mean, like, sorry, boss. When you introduce things like this, like these are the questions. Like, you know, we're being funny about it, but like, hopefully, someone's taking thinking about these things seriously. It's because the, dri- the, serious it's the self-driving things. car problem, right? Yeah, like, do problem. you kill ten pedestrians or two people on in the car? Right? Like, it, that is the these are the things that eventually mm-hmm. have to be coded or logicked out in some way. If my house is on fire, mm-hmm. who does the robot help save? Who go, who does it go for first? Yeah. Right. Does it's, it leave the dog? Like yeah. you know, like what what does the robot do? So yes, I, like, I would train mine to take the drobo, on you know get the get the data out. <laughs> drobo first, dog, dog second. Just throw the drobo out the window. And then no, come back no, us. there's a hard drive in there. You got to be gentle with the drobo. You got to sit it down gently on the sidewalk. <laughs> this is when it like it ejects the balloon that it ties to yeah. the drobo and yeah. pushes it out. It's like I would take it, but I'm waiting for the Mac Mini to eject it so I can unplug it safely. Good robot. <laughs> Good robot. You've learned very well. Yeah. So, I oh, mean, who no. knows, right? Like, if this is a pie-in-the-sky thing, if this is a real thing. I agree with you that science fiction, to a degree, shapes our future because we're – that's what we grow up with as kids. So that's what, as adults, we want to see happen. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I like the voice assistant stuff, but this seems like a totally different thing. So uh, I don't think it's anytime soon, but it's something to, worth thinking about. But it's weird. It's weird to think about. It is weird. Today's episode is also brought to you by Slack, a collaboration hub that lets you organize your team's work into easily searchable channels. You can use Slack for projects, interests, teams, for your office. No matter what type of group you have, Slack is perfect for it. And when you do, you will know that everyone is always in the loop. All the relevant information that you need is in one place, and it's easily accessible. And it's super simple for new team members to get up to speed. Slack helps you dramatically reduce the number of emails that you'll need to send, whilst also streamlining your team's communication. Everything is kept in one place. So you can search and find stuff. You can send messages to people in single groups or small groups. All of the history is there for everybody to see. So you're not in a situation where like someone forgot to hit reply all and now you've just got that one person's thing and then you have to forward that to everyone else. You don't have to do any of that with Slack. And Slack has so many incredible integrations, it becomes more and more powerful all the time. As well as real-time messaging, you can do video and voice calls. You can do group file sharing. You can integrate with all of the apps and services that you use, stuff like Google Drive, Salesforce, and Zendesk. And I'll say it's actually not even that difficult to build Slack bots of your own. I actually built one. Uh, it's very simple. Like it just talks to a Google sheet, but like I was able to do that. That's how cool it is. And they have great guides for that sort of stuff as well. Everything's in all one easy to use app. You can use drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps and services that you already do. And Slack will work wherever you do. Their mobile apps for iOS and Android sync seamlessly. It's on the web. It's on all major platforms. So you're able to pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Um, I would be lost without Slack at this point. Like It is so embedded in the way that I do business. Like At this point, it's just where I go every day. It's mm-hmm. one of the first things that I check when I'm getting ready for the day. And it's one of the last things that I check in the evening. like Because my Slack group the slack group that we run now it's so split so nicely you know we have general channels and fun channels where people can hang out but then we also have channels where all the work is being done and where messages are being shared like it is really the hub of a lot of the stuff that i do in my life like it's it's really an incredible tool to learn more about slack head to slack.com that is s-l-a-c-k.com thanks to slack for their support of relay fm and for giving us an easy way to communicate every day slack where work happens. So, 
Amazon. Talking about trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Would you like Amazon to have access to your car? I like it more than having access to the front door of my house, <laughs> I think. This is similar to that front door system thing where you could set up a camera on a lock. Um, Amazon Key, I think it was called. Or yes. I think Amazon Key now includes this Amazon trunk delivery. They have partnered with GM and Volvo uh, to allow them to deliver packages to the trunks of cars in 37 U.S. cities. This is currently restricted to Prime customers who have cars that are from the 2015 model year or newer, and they also have to have an active OnStar or Volvo on-call accounts. What are, what are these things? OnStar, at least, is... I think it does a bunch of stuff, but one thing it can do is it monitors for like an accident, and then it mm-hmm. basically like calls you in the car. like Not your phone, but it calls the car. It's like, are you okay? It can call 911. It can share your location. I think OnStar also does... like. Um, Hey, I'm looking for XYZ. Can you help me find it? Like assistant okay. type stuff? I'm not really sure. I assume Volvo on call is similar. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things that it, that it can do, Volvo on call, and also some of the other GM connected things, um, they can actually lock and unlock cars because that's how this is done. Um, so you use the Amazon Key app to describe the car and you register your. Uh, gps and license plate with it as well and basically as you can say i want it delivered to the trunk of my car and as long as your car is parked within a safe radius of an address already used for an amazon delivery so your home or your office or whatever right so it's in the parking lot or it's in the driveway amazon will deliver to the trunk of the car you get notified every step of the process and it's possible for you to change your mind and block the delivery at any point forcing the delivery to be sent to a physical location like a front door somewhere your driver will be sent your license plate and gps so it can find the vehicle and when they arrive they make a request to the car's connected service right so like on star of over on call and the trunk is opened so why would you do this is i think a huge question because like if it's close to your if if the car has to be near your home or your office Mm -hmm. why would you have something delivered to the car so amazon posted a video because they've been doing some like beta tests of this in some cities and they spoke to some customers and there's two there were two i think kind of compelling um reasons for doing this one it it was speaking to a mother who had diapers delivered to the car because they didn't want a doorbell to ring and wake the baby sure it's like okay makes sense or another person who was saying uh that they had birthday presents for their child and they didn't want them to be spotted so they were put in the car yeah so then they could be brought into the house at a safe time i can see that i I could also see this being a better way to receive deliveries at your office. Yes. Because the car's not going to move. And like, so one of the things that was, it is a good idea about the giving Amazon access to your front door thing is you don't have to be home, right? Like that's the key part of, of these things is this means that Amazon can deliver without needing to rearrange deliveries. And the thing about the car is the car is way less personal. They only have access to the trunk, and it's super hard from the trunk in a lot of cars to get to the main part of the car, right, if mm-hmm. you're an average-sized human being. It's kind of out of the way, way less personal. They can't get access to you. They're not going to have problems with pets, right, and all that kind of stuff. So it is a more compelling thing, I think, than having something delivered directly into your home. But 
it's still got the weirdness factor, right? Of like some rando <laughs> is gonna put something into your car. Yeah, I mean, I guess it feels a lot better than the house. Um, uh, another situation that I thought of when you were talking about, I had a, a job years ago where it was actually very difficult to have packages delivered to the building because the way the building was and the way security was, it was a real hit or miss situation. And oftentimes you would end up with something that was, uh, you know, unable to deliver, uh, reschedule it or go pick it up at the depot or something. And that was frustrating. And uh, something like this could have, you know, alleviated that because the, the the parking lot wasn't necessarily all behind a security gate. So, you know, if I knew something's coming today, I could leave my car in the front parking lot outside of security and something could be delivered to it. I don't have to deal with the front desk and, and all that stuff. So there are reasons for it. Uh, and I do think it feels a lot better than the home, partially because there's a third party involved because they are requiring that that step through OnStar, you're not giving Amazon a key to your car. You're giving Amazon the ability to speak to, you know, your car manufacturer system that you assumedly trust. And they have that that middle step there. And that does feel better to me than having a lock with a code and a camera. Uh, at least now there's some other entity who's aware of what's happening and that's involved and it's to me, right. it feels like it's like another step of verification in a way. And, you know, if I want to cancel it, I just tell OnStar, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. And so if you get any calls, don't let them do it. Whereas with the house, you have to change your lock because you're going to take the smart lock off or whatever. So I think, you know, I don't know if it's particularly useful to me in the way my life operates, but I could see it being useful to people. And I could see why you would do this instead of delivering to your house when no one's home. All right. Last, last thing today, Spotify. So we spoke a couple of weeks ago that Spotify was having an event this week and we were thinking that this there was this rumored like car speaker device that we thought was going to appear. Mm-hmm. That did not that did not happen. Um so who knows what was going on with that. Maybe that's still something for the future. Um but Spotify did in basically the event was to talk about their business model and some changes that they're making to their free tier as a way to try and convince people to subscribe to their service for money. Let me tell you some of these features, Demon. So one of the things that they're adding to the free tier is access to 15 select playlists of which you can play any song you want in any order. Now that might sound a bit peculiar if you've never used the Spotify free tier, but previously you've been forced to shuffle playlists and artists. Um, Right. And this is, you know, this is just a restriction that they're trying to put on you. So it's frustrating, right? Uh, Because they want you to give them money. But now they're going to do a free 15 playlists um, that you can choose and you can do whatever you want with. But these playlists are created and curated by Spotify. It includes stuff like Discover Weekly and stuff like that. Um, Outside of this free 15, you're still going to be forced to shuffle as you were before, right? So you can't go to like, I don't know, Counting Crows. I have no idea why they came into my head <laughs> i was trying to think no this i was trying to think of like a band Stephen would like and i don't think you like counting crows but like Not I, particularly. It, it, they just came to my head i was gonna say the postal service but i was like that's too sad and then uh, you know what i think i was trying to think of death cab for cutie but say yes. counting crows instead because there's two there's the curse sounds it's the curse sounds yeah. I, was going I mean they for, have that one song everybody likes but past that yeah mm-hmm. mm. anyway but counting crows 
maybe sure. it's something to do with like parking lots or something because we were just talking about cars. Who knows why they popped into my head? But let's say you wanted to listen to Counting Crows, you're still gonna have to um, you're still gonna have to have all that shuffled. Uh, you're now gonna be asked in the sign up process what your favorite artists are. Um, this is akin to like Beats Music and then Apple Music. Yeah, the bubbles. And Spotify. Yeah, the bubbles. I probably. I wonder if they're going to do bubbles too. But this will allow Spotify to immediately tailor their experience to you, right? So they'll show you artists more quickly that you're used to without having to wait for it to learn. They have a feature called assisted playlisting, um, which is machine learning to help you build new playlists. So when you're putting a playlist together. It will suggest songs to you based upon what works with the previous song that you just added to that playlist. That's really cool. I think that's really awesome. I like that feature a lot as like this is a way for you to build a cool playlist, stuff that's going to work well together. I like the sound of that. And a data saving mode for uh, to reduce data for people on smaller data plans. So... All of this sounds really good, and I guess that what Spotify is trying to do is to show you how good the service can be if it's like completely unrestricted to you, totally. especially with the playlist stuff. Mm-hmm. But do you think that this is going to make people that wanted the free tier pay for the pay tier like in big enough numbers for them to actually do this? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, my brother uses Spotify, uses the free tier, and having music shuffled that I can control would drive me bananas. I'm an album front to back kind of guy. So I, I get what you're saying, but this feels like they're just adding more carrot and not any more stick to people who want to, they want to move up to a paid subscription. So I don't know if it'll work or not. Spotify is on the hook for making that transition happen more often though, because now they have shareholders and yep. they need, like we spoke about a couple of times ago, they need to, uh, they need to work on getting more people onto that paid service. And I think you're right. Like the playlist are the best things about Spotify. And if they can give you a tease of that, then maybe that's enough carrot. But I don't know if people respond or not, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Like the, the playlists are the thing, right? Like that pe- everybody that loves Spotify talks about Discover Weekly a lot, right? And mm-hmm. I will say that Apple have those playlists, but I don't know where it's getting some of this information from. So like, you know, it has, they have like your favorites mix, right? They consistently show me songs in my favorites mix that I know I only ever listened to twice because it was songs from albums from the Inquisitive series. Ah. It's always got for me like a song from Pavement, which was Brad's band, which I don't like, or a song from the Sweeney Todd album. And it's like, I know that I've only ever listened to these like once or twice. Like, why are they in my favorites mix? And I guess maybe it's trying to like make sure it pulls, like doesn't try and have too much of the same artist or whatever. But right. I think that there's something going weird in their algorithm where it's thinking that I want to listen to those because I can tell you I don't. Right? Like I, I just I don't understand why it would show me that stuff. Like it's 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 not giving me an impression like it's learning what what it thinks it knows about me like i'm looking at it right now and there's a lot of really good stuff in this some of my favorite songs there's stuff that i do really enjoy but yeah there's another pavement song like why is that in there like i don't like it and i've never listened to it more than once i listened to it one time because i really didn't like that album and like i just don't understand like where did that come from or like big girls don't cry by frankie valley in the four seasons i know i've not listened to that song in like four years like i don't 
understand where that's come from. But no all of the other stuff is pretty good. Absolutely good so that, machine learning, right? I guess so. Mm. We'll see. I mean, I wish them luck because Spotify, like I said, they need to do this. And, you know, I think uh, with Apple Music, you know, it's still way behind Spotify in terms of subscriber count. It's native. And that's that's a big leg up. And, and Apple can run out the clock on Spotify, right? Like Apple has, for all intents and purposes, unlimited money. And Spotify, for all intents and purposes, does not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they need to they need to do this. And I wish them luck because I think I think Spotify being good is good for Apple Music. And uh, I think people who use Spotify, the free service, even if they stay on free, this makes Spotify stickier, and that's that's a good thing as well. If you want to find show notes this week, you can do so in your podcast player, or you can head over to the website relay.fm slash connected slash one ninety is this week's episode. Today I learned. Uh, you can get in touch with us while you're there. You can send us an email with your feedback and follow up. You can do that on Twitter as well. You can find Mike there as I M Y K E. And Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay. Go to relay.fm slash shows. If you like connected, I promise you you will find something else that you will love uh, just as much. Not not more than connected, but the same amount, equal amounts of love. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do that as ISMH, and I write 512pixels.net. He's not here this week, but we're usually joined by Federico Vitici. He is the editor-in-chief at MacStories.net. And if you want to tell him how much you missed him this week, please do that. You can find him on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. We'd like to thank Smile, Molecule, and Slack for sponsoring the show this week. And until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Tally-ho. Adios.